The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. The Heisman Memorial Trophy's mission statement says that it, quote, annually recognizes the outstanding college football player whose performance best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. There's absolutely nothing in there saying that the award has to go to a quarterback or running back, but going all the way back to the Heisman's inception in 1935, that's the way this thing has almost always gone down. 79 different human beings have won the award. Of those 79, two of them were tight ends, two were wide receivers, and one was a defensive back who had side hustles as a wide receiver and a kick returner. But none of those 79 recipients have been purely defensive players. Pitt defensive end Hugh Green finished in second place in 1980, and Mante Teo came closer than you probably remember to beating out Johnny Manziel in 2012. But there's a particular vote that comes up again and again as one that a lot of people wish we could do over. The decision to give the 2009 Heisman Trophy to Alabama running back Mark Ingram instead of Nebraska defensive tackle Indomitian Sioux. Look, Mark Ingram had a great year as the bell cow for a team that went on to win the national championship. And that's not nothing. But Sue's 2009 still holds up as one of the best seasons we've ever seen from an interior defender. And Ingram's might be third or fourth best we've seen from an Alabama running back in the past decade alone. After Chase Young's four-sack performance against Wisconsin on Saturday, the Ohio State edge rusher is starting to get his first taste of legitimate Heisman Trophy buzz. But even as Young continues to build a compelling case as the country's most outstanding player, his Heisman candidacy is brushing up against the reality that the Heisman electorate just doesn't particularly like to vote for defenders. Today on the College Football Daily, we talked to someone who had a front row seat to perhaps the most notable snub of a deserving defensive player in the history of the Heisman Trophy. I'm Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker 24-7, and in 2009, I cast my first place Heisman vote for Indomitian Sioux. And I've got to say that Indomitian Sioux played as fine a defensive football game as I have ever seen. Guess who? Chase Young. Maybe the best player in America. Brian, at what point was it, if you remember, when you first realized that you would be casting your first place vote for Ndamukong Sue? I know when I first considered it, it was the fifth game of the season. They played a Nebraska played a Thursday night game at Missouri, and it was a monsoon. In fact, the game was delayed and there was lightning and uh, it was like a Noah's Ark type of situation. And Sue took over the game in the second half. They, they simply couldn't block him. He had an interception at the line of scrimmage where he just leaped up in the air and timed it perfectly and picked it out of the air like it was a wiffle ball. And you knew you were watching somebody pretty special. The year before, he was good, but you could tell now he was great. Like in the bowl game the year before, they played Clemson, and Sue was kind of a wrecking ball in that game. 
And now you were like, okay, this is going to be a weekly thing. But I honestly, I don't think the nation, I think they thought it was a cute thing. Like, oh, a defender is getting mentioned for the Heisman. But I don't think a lot of national people um, jumped on board fully until the very end of the season. And in fact, it was probably a little too late for them. And so when we say the very end of the season, I assume we're talking in large part about the Big 12 championship game where he had four and a half sacks against Texas. And I think, you know, a structural problem with the Heisman voting is that you can submit your ballot before the conference championship game. And in Sue's case, with that being the kind of the crowning achievement of his season, that's sort of a big problem. So I guess the question is, how much do you feel like the voting rules possibly played a role in this outcome? That was part of it. I think there's some trouble with the Heisman voting because that can happen. I think like 11% submitted their votes before that game took place. And then I think there's also a very regional slant to voting. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure some could look at me and say, well, of course you voted for the Nebraska guy. You covered Nebraska. But it was more so, I, I realized I was watching maybe the best college football player I've ever seen in person on a weekly basis. The problem was after that game against Missouri early in the year where he was dominant, Nebraska as a team lost its next two games kind of in the middle of October when we're kind of establishing, okay, who are the four or five Heisman guys? And, you know, they're, they're always appearing on the graphics. So I think Sue kind of disappeared from the radar screen nationally a little bit. Everybody knew he was a great player, but it, it was – you know, you just didn't think of defenders and the Heisman Trophy and especially defensive linemen in the Heisman Trophy. But then Texas happened, and I think people watched that thing and said, I don't think I've seen a performance like this. Um, you know, Chase Young is starting to give us some of these performances, but I still have never seen a single game where one player just could completely not be blocked by anybody all night long and completely altered how that game was played. And also, honestly, he took Colt McCoy away from winning the trophy. McCoy might have won the thing, uh, but he just you know got demolished that night. I mean, there was a play where Sue picked him up and kind of threw him to the ground like a rag doll. And there, it's it's hard to shake that image if you if you were going to vote for Colt McCoy and say, oh, I'm still voting for that guy after you saw that. Do you think since Sue's 2009 season, and maybe even specifically because of Sue's 2009 season, the conversation around these kinds of transcendent, dominant defensive players has changed when it comes to consideration for the Heisman? Not enough. Um, I don't think... I mean, I, I think people like to say it's changed and that there are certain people, I think, and I'm one of them, who it kind, of, kind of after that season said, we really have to look at the whole picture of who the best player in college football is. It can't just be statistically based all the time. Uh, we we got to look a little deeper than that. And who is really affecting the game more than anybody else? And I do think there's some voters who do that. But I, I still think it's it's incredibly slanted towards stats. And honestly, and this makes some sense, but not it shouldn't be the whole thing. It, it's based off of is your team basically 11 and one or 12 and 0 sometimes it feels like uh, with certain guys. And that's some of what held Sue back in 2009. He wasn't on a bad team. That team ended up, you know, with a, a respectable, I think, 10 and four record. 
and was playing really well at the end of the year, but it wasn't in the national championship conversation. And that's still, I think, derails some people. But it's very hard for a defender to win this award because they don't start to pick up steam until it's like October, November. Whereas other guys, these skill guys on offense, we've been talking about them since like May and how they're on the short list for the Heisman. So there's like a six months head start that offensive players have on whoever the best defensive player in college football is on that given year. Having had a front row seat for Sue's Heisman candidacy, if you're kind of mapping it out in your head, what has to happen in your mind for Chase Young over the last month of the season to have a legitimate shot at winning the Heisman Trophy and going beyond just kind of getting a token invitation as a finalist to New York? Well, I think the thing Chase Young has going for him is Ohio State's in the championship picture, unlike Sue. And so I think that could help his cause. And I do think a few more people over the past decade have come around to the idea that, yeah, a defensive lineman could win it if he's if he's the best player. That said, I think a guy like Chase Young, it, it feels like when you're in that position, you have to go above and beyond. Like you can't have one week where you aren't dominant. And basically what he did against Wisconsin, where every, everybody was kind of taking note of, man, nobody can block this guy. He, I, he's got to do it on a weekly basis. And then when Ohio State is in their biggest games, when they play Michigan and then when they're in the Big Ten Championship, if, if they're there, which many assume they will be, uh, he's got to be he's got to be Sue-like in those games. Like he's going to need games against the Wolverines and in Indy where he has three or four sacks or does something pretty remarkable, I think, to have a chance to win it. But I I honestly, since that Sioux season, I, I admit I kind of root for those type of guys because I feel like it would be good for college football if we actually recognize uh, that, no, it's not just a running back who had 1,900 yards or whatever because he's in an offense built to put up numbers, but it's actually the best overall player no matter – his spot on the field. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we've got updates on Tua Tonga Bailoa, a suspension in Happy Valley, and visits from the ghosts of Transfer Portal past and present. Welcome back to the College Football Daily. Tua Tungavailoa was scheduled to make his return to practice on Wednesday, though he was not on the field during the limited media viewing window. Nick Saban is expected to provide an update on how that all went once practice is over, but as of the time of this recording, that had not quite happened yet. We'll have the details for you on our next episode, but if you've just got to know right this minute, head over to BamaOnline.com. Penn State travels to Minneapolis on November 9th for a matchup against fellow Big Ten undefeated Minnesota, but the Nittany Lions will do so without senior defensive tackle Antonio Shelton. James Franklin announced on Tuesday that Shelton has been suspended one game for spitting at Michigan offensive lineman Matt Allen in the fourth quarter of Penn State's 28-7 win over the Spartans on Saturday. Auburn quarterback Joey Gatewood has entered the transfer portal after spending the season behind true freshman Bo Nix, and so has Ole Miss true freshman Grant Tisdale after backing up John Reese Plumley and Matt Corral. 
We've also got some updates on some Transfer Portal Hall of Famers. USC has confirmed that Brew McCoy will indeed miss the entire 2019 season with an illness that has bothered him ever since he transferred back from Texas. And Tate Martell is primarily working at quarterback for Miami now after giving wide receiver a go for a few months. Martell, though, is still third on the depth chart behind Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams. And lastly, we had Richard Burr, a senator from North Carolina, respond to the NCAA's change of tone on name, image, and likeness by sending out a tweet in which he threatened to introduce a bill that would treat athlete scholarships at taxable income. Senator Burr got ratioed into oblivion. Right now, we're sitting at 32,000 replies and just 3,200 retweets. That's 10 to 1, man. Not great. And Illinois introduced its own version of the fair pay-to-play legislation that would take effect in 2023. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, we ask that you do one thing this week to help spread the word about the show. Ideally, one of those things would be leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.